Hello, my name is Rebecca May Johnson. I'm a writer and cook. And here is the audio version of my 14th newsletter with the title, Other People's Cooking. In it, I read aloud some thoughts on what it is to be cooked for by other people, how a meal has a kind of poetics, share the menus that three people cooked for me last week, including a recipe for potato salad, and give my eating notes. Other people's cooking. When someone else cooks me a meal that they have devised, it is like inhabiting a poem they have written. A meal has a distinct rhythm and form and pace, as well as stylistic qualities and the thrill of flavours brought into contact, a poetics. When I eat a meal that I have made, it can be difficult to really perceive it, because often I'm still mentally and emotionally in the process of making it. When I cook, it is difficult to gain distance from my own work and experience the meal as an aesthetic entity that is separate to me. Encountering the poetics of a meal that someone else has made for me can be a strange and intimate pleasure. I am touched by, I ingest the gestures of the cook. A meal is a poem where the writing emerges in real time and bears the grain of the cook's body and life. In the heat of performing, in the curdling split of a sauce, in a flourish of seasoning, the cook cannot help but be unconcealed from themselves and from those present. It is for this reason that I am sometimes nervous when someone cooks for me for the first time. I will have read them in a new way by the end. Other people's menus. Whereas last week I did a lot of cooking, this week I did not. And here I share three impeccable menus, none of which are my own. Saturday night disco. Eleanor, who I met on a fellowship in Rome, made a meal for me and several other people before we went out to dance until early on Sunday morning. I had not eaten her cooking before. She told us she had cycled to two or three different sites all over London to try and find wild garlic to pick for her pasta. She did not give up after several disappointments. This reminded me of when, early in our acquaintance, on a night out in Trastevere in Rome, Eleanor nominated herself as a scout and ran around the neighbourhood at great speed and with great commitment to find a restaurant that could seat a large group of us. She succeeded and we had a very good meal. Eleanor's menu. Crisps and fizzy wine. Roasted fennel, fresh orange and black olive salad. Spaghetti with wild garlic pesto, with extra parmesan and olive oil to add at the table. Green salad. Berries, brought by Lara. It is easy to undercook fennel. I have done so many times. And when you do, you lose that crisp, fresh crunch of raw fennel 
and it can also be somewhat stringy. The fennel in Eleanor's warm salad was beautifully soft and caramelised in places. The orange, sharp and juicy, and the olives adding salt and depth. It reminded me that I have not made or eaten cooked or baked fennel in a long time and would like to do so again soon. The wild garlic spaghetti had a lovely allium tang that was not overbearing and Eleanor gave us parmesan and a bottle of olive oil as an additional dressing, which reminded me and the others of this practice at the institution where we did our residency. We had fried eggs on toast at 5am before we went to bed. Midweek meal. Rebecca, who I have known for several years, cooked for me for the first time last week. I was staying at her house before catching an extremely early train in London to do some teaching. Rebecca was very focused on her work in the kitchen when I arrived, and I was reminded of the seriousness with which she approached cooking a rice pudding when I asked her to for a writing project several years ago. She paired that rice pudding with cherries, as she did in this meal. Rebecca's menu. Crisps and red wine. Baked lamb chops with garlic and rosemary, with cherry tomatoes on the vine, roasted peppers and black olives. Boiled new potatoes with butter. Green salad with olive oil and vinegar given at the table. Rice pudding made by Matt, with cherries and ice cream, assembled by Rebecca. The lamb was so soft and well seasoned and the tomatoes wonderfully sharp and sweet. Everything was a dream. I was surprised to find out that Rebecca's partner Matt usually cooks, as this was very delicious. Rebecca said she likes to cook this dish because she could put most of it in the oven at once and talk to us while it cooked. Matt's rice pudding was not over sweet and was a delightful melange with cherries in their juice defrosted from the freezer and Ben and Jerry's cookie ice cream. Saturday lunch. My partner Sam made this meal while I was working on a piece of writing on Saturday. We were both in slightly bad tempers, and I can't remember why now, but this lunch was a sensation. Sam's menu. Potato salad. Bratwurst. I have been thinking about potato salad and frankfurters since I read about a meal of potato salad and hot dogs in Joan Didion's essay, Where the Kissing Never Stops, published in Slouching Towards Bethlehem, as follows. Quote, what actually goes on at Miss Byers's Institute for the Study of Nonviolence is apparently so ingenuous as to disarm even veterans of two wars who wear snap-on bow ties. Four days a week, Miss Byers and her 15 students meet at the school for lunch. Potato salad, Kool-Aid and hot dogs broiled on a portable barbecue. And then... By the time they are ready to leave, Joan Byers is eating potato salad with her fingers from a bowl in the refrigerator and everyone stays to share it just a little while longer 
where it is warm. The beginning and the end of the day at Byers's School for Nonviolence is sharing hot dogs and potato salad and Kool-Aid. Childlike and communal and giving her very young students what makes them feel safe. A meal that brings everyone around it and so good they wish for it not to end. Even the fridge begins to feel warm. I have not been able to shake this image from my mind since I read Didion's essay last year. Sharing potato salad under bratburst was the end of our bad tempers. Sam made one of the nicest potato salads I've ever eaten. Quite saucy and a good level of vinegar. The floury potato disintegrating slightly and mixing with vinegar, shallots, oil and a few wilted mustard brassica greens. Sam's actual recipe below here. So, you cook the sausages in the frying pan in butter until golden brown. While they cook, chop a shallot finely and put it on the other side of the pan to the sausages and warm them a little. Remove the sausage to a plate. To the same pan add the potatoes, which have been boiled in one by one inch pieces in salted water. Add in one finely diced garlic clove too, to the pan. Stir gently to coat the potatoes with the shallots. Then leave on a low medium heat for five minutes. Add the little brassica greens on top to wilt at the last minute. Make a vinaigrette with a tablespoon of Dijon mustard, four tablespoons of olive oil, two tablespoons of red wine vinegar, olive oil and salt and pepper. Put the vinaigrette in a big bowl, tip in the potato mixture and toss. Let it soak in. Eating notes. I was reminded to eat sliced oranges with olive oil, salt and tagine chili lime seasoning as a snack by Bettina Macalintal on Twitter. Last week, I ordered some smoked fish from Pinney's in Orford. We had a lunch of smoked mackerel with Japanese sushi rice, kewpie mayonnaise, cucumber and sweet pickled ginger wrapped with nori seaweed for lunch. A canteen meal at the University of York St John where I gave a guest lecture and workshops on writing about food. Southern fried chicken with coleslaw and chips. The coleslaw was superbly fresh and delicious. Tragically, there was no ketchup at all in the canteen because the chips really needed it. One of the students in my workshop said, sadly, that the chicken in the canteen had nothing on what they were used to back home. A breakfast tray with coffee, small bowls of cornflakes, mine with a little caster sugar on, and the first outing of a milk jug I bought at a charity shop a few weeks ago, thereby allowing the cornflakes to be eaten after the fried eggs with garlic yogurt and chilli butter, a version of Nigella's Turkish eggs and not go soggy. Thanks for listening.